0: Hey there. My name is Jessie Smith. At UiPath, experimenting is a part of our culture, so we decided to create a series of podcasts where we interview different employees to find out who they are, what projects they're tackling, and why they choose to work at UiPath. You can find all of our episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This episode, we are celebrating Pride Month with a guest host, Sam Cho Latimer. I hope you enjoy listening.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Sam Cho Latimer, a UiPather of two years, and I will be your host today for our very special Pride Month edition of the UiPath podcast. I'd like to introduce my next two guests the effervescent Tony Iafredi, VP of Marketing Communications, and the indomitable Mike Farrow, Senior RPA Lead.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Uh, thanks for having me here, too. Awesome. So, hopefully, the next 30 minutes will feel like a really free-flowing conversation, but we do have a couple of topics to cover. So Mike, if you're feeling ready, let's jump right into it. Uh, With the evolution of media, especially from when you were a kid to now, since you have kids of your own, can you talk a little bit about how pop culture has represented the LGBTQ plus community over the years?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think this is such an interesting topic um, because when I was a kid, a long time ago i'm almost 40. Uh, when i was a kid people didn't talk about this stuff people didn't talk about this culture um it was all still a mystery I, I i grew up in canada where it was a little bit more progressive than here but even then in the 90s in high school no one knew what it was to be gay like i'm sure someone did but i didn't it was just an insult and it was something that you said like you're so stupid you're so gay and no one really understood and it was it was a weird weird time and I grew up uneducated on the topic. I didn't know what I was like. I assumed that all the straight guys felt like I did, and they thought that guys were attractive, and they thought girls were attractive, and I didn't know. I didn't know that I was bi. I didn't figure I was bi for decades, because I just didn't make sense. I didn't have that cultural know-how of seeing a bi character on television. I didn't even see gay characters on television when I was growing up. It was just something that wasn't available and i think kids these days are so much luckier to have that representation and when i was younger I, I thought i heard representation matters i'm like yeah i bet it does but i guess but i didn't really see how much it did i didn't see um those gay characters on tv like when kurt hummel was on glee i'm like oh this is kind of cool like i i feel like i'm learning something here like this is a person who has a personality and his personality isn't just that he's gay and since then, there's been dozens and dozens of shows where you see that, and I don't—I don't think I ever realized consciously until years later. Like, man, this is so great to have this. I was watching uh, *Crazy Ex-Girlfriend*, and that show's crazy on representation of all sorts. But that was the first show I ever saw, and only a few years ago, where there was a character named Daryl who was bisexual, and he came into being bisexual as an adult man, and he didn't realize he was bi until he was an adult man. I'm like, man, I—I I relate to this. Like, this is so cool to have. A character on TV and being bi I think there's a, a bit of a bias of bi erasure. Everyone has to fit into a nice category, you're gay or straight. And people if, if people say if you're bi, well, you're just a phase, you're really gay, you're really straight and it's it's nice to see that representation. And I think that's an, an important thing to see this media changing and because of this media changing, my kids will say, "Oh, well, I've seen this. I know what this is. I know what these words mean." And the language is constantly evolving so we always have more better ways of describing ourselves and each other. And I think that's all really helpful.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, TV is such like a North American pastime. I, it's global for sure, but it's definitely like part of our culture to sit down after a long day, whether it's school or work, and watch some good old TV. And I remember, at least for myself, um, I've heard of Will & Grace being like a show that had a gay character, but the first time I saw uh, like a gay character on TV was actually Degrassi, the next generation, shout out to Marco. And exactly like you were saying, like before that, I didn't really have a lot of experience even knowing of or interacting with gay people in my day-to-day life, especially as a child. And so to see that um, sort of representation growing up, it really did help me to like understand like, okay, I relate to that, this might be who I am and kind of like spark that thought for myself.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can remember before coming out watching The L Word um, and it was really one of the first shows on television um, that showed, you know, really successful lesbians. And, you know, I remember thinking wow, you know, like, you know, not only, you know, successful women, but successful lesbians in real relationships. Um, and it was it was inspiring to me at that time, right? I mean, I was, you know, 23, 24 years old. Um, and for a show at that time, um, you know, that was, I mean, it was groundbreaking. Um, it, it just, it, it, it really gave me hope um, and it actually, believe it or not, um, inspired me to come out at that time. I think it, it, it's, it's really amazing how television and mass media does really provide, I think, a lot of that, that kind of cultural you know, necessity, almost in a sense, that I think does drive um, community forward.
2: Yeah, it's so great to be to make people feel safe, and I think that kind of representation helps people feel safe. Almost a decade ago, I, there was a TV show on the air, uh, uh, a cartoon called The Legend of Korra. It was a successor to uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, and those were both really popular shows for kids and adults. And Avatar was great, and The Legend of Korra came out, and it was about a female lead, and that was a little controversial. People say, "Oh, well, you can't have a woman replacing the the Avatar," and it was a sequel though, and then toward the end they had like this whole love triangle with the avatar woman and these two men and then it kind of in the last seconds of the show like m- literally minutes before the show ended it's like well I'm actually gonna be with this girl and it was like this bizarre thing like you can't have a lesbian on a TV show like, like for your kids and it was controversial and then they they kind of like implied and they kind of kissed and walked off into the sunset like wh- what happened there like they're gay like how do we know and then they, they cut it off and they said Nickelodeon will never allow us to go deeper than that. And then they they made it go further in comic books later. But to this day, a decade later, I hear all these people saying, like, that was my moment. Like, I saw this cartoon and I, I felt that way. And now there are a dozen different cartoons and kids shows that say that was the shoulder of giants that our show was standing upon. And the newest one I'm just watching with my children is She-Ra um the princess of power and in that show there are dozens of characters that are clearly not straight and there's characters that are minorities and there's characters that not neurotypical and there's the main two characters are clearly in love and they're gay and they're women and like that's kind of implied and subtle for four seasons and then in season five it's like okay we i love you and it's like what like you're doing this on a cartoon it's amazing to see this representation that my 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 little girl can watch this and say like wow that's that's okay it's okay for this. I don't need to hate people for being different. And like kids understand the stuff so easily when it's not hidden from them. So it's so important to have
1: this representation in our culture. And it just shows that media can be entertaining just as much as it can be educational, like for the individual and for the family, right? And um, I will use that as an excellent segue to now talk about families and being a part of them as a member of the LGBTQ plus community. So um, Tony, I know we had touched on this briefly before, but uh, what are your thoughts on, let's say like family reactions or just interactions you've had with family members when it comes to um, sharing your identity as a member of the LGBTQ community?
0: You know, it hasn't always been rainbows and butterflies, right, I mean, it's, you know, I think at the end of the day, right, I think our, our, our parents, want you know their children to be happy healthy and safe i think what parents and family members need to really keep in mind is that family rejection i think can really lead to you know whether it be you know matters of you know depression right or matters of you know attempted suicide you know what i'd say is that you know coming out is is a is a life-changing event Um, and whether you are you know younger in your teenage years or in my case when i was in my you know early 20s my parents didn't speak to me for several years when i came out of the closet but, you know, I'm happy to say that today, my parents and I have a wonderful relationship. Um, and I always view myself as sort of like their go-to sort of child. Uh, but um, but it's 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 very difficult. And I think you know, I always consider myself blessed, no matter what, because I think there are still many LGBTQ individuals that are forever disowned from their families. You know, you just—you never know what someone else is going through, right? You just never know, and I think you always have to have that level of kindness, and you always have to be accepting or try to be more accepting. You always have to support others, right? Um, you always have to stand up for others, and I think that you know, my one sort of message around this is. You know, be a better ally. You know, learn how to be an ally for your fellow colleagues. One thing that, you know, you never want to do is stand by silently. If we can encourage others to um, to you know just to, to to be better allies, to be, you know, it you know, family isn't just blood. And I've learned that you know in my in my many many years since coming out is that you know family just is not blood family is who you surround yourself with it's it's who you can call up and you know at any hour when you know you may have had a bad day or a bad experience you know or maybe you were bullied and you know you didn't know how to react you know, I've had several bad experiences, you know, and and have been called terrible names. And I think it's um, it's just it's really important to always remember that, you know, it's you you don't know what uh, what crosses people may be bearing, and and that's not just LGBTQ people, that's everybody.
2: Yeah, I think the f- concept of a found family is so important in LGBTQ culture, where you. Your family might not be who your immediate family was it might be someone you've adopted you might have you might have found some friends who say this is my family now because my family abandoned me and i went through something similar too and i was surprised um not really with my own my own immediate family when i when i came out to my immediate family they were kind of confused they were kind of like what but it was mostly like well i don't understand but okay it wasn't a big deal, but um, my in-laws had a lot more difficulty with it, and we had a similar years of silence experience with them, and it was hard, and, and uh, it put a lot of strain on my, my wife's relationship with her parents, and it took a long time to get to, to from where we were to where we are now, which is, it's weirdly we've kind of reset back to baseline, but it, it's, it's, it feels like such a shame that it took years to get there because it could have been so easy. It could have been, I don't understand, but I support you. Instead of, I can't talk to you until you change. Because people can't change. People can try, but it's just, it's so hard for someone to say, it's so um, unfair to expect someone to say, I'm going to put the genie back in the bottle. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put back this, stuff this down. Like I've been hiding for my whole life. And now you want me to stuff it down because it makes you uncomfortable? Like you won't love me unconditionally if I don't hide this aspect of myself? And uh, you see that story all the time of people saying like, I can't, you're no son of mine. And it's just, it's so hard to believe it's still going through that. Like, and it's good to see that in the media. It's good to see the supportive parents saying like, I don't get it, but I will love you and support you. And that's
1: another media tie in or seeing that is helpful. Yeah, and hopefully I can only assume that this kind of interaction and acceptance becomes a lot easier for people as time goes on, as they get that exposure, and it's no longer a thing that's like hard to understand for some people. Um, Honestly, I'd say I have a really interesting relationship with my parents when it comes to my sexuality, because... um, so my parents were immigrants from South Korea, and South Korea is still a very, like, socially conservative country. And so for them, especially being, like, the firstborn son, there's a lot of responsibility to, like, find a nice Korean girl, marry and, like, carry on the name because of that kind of pressure. My personal life was something that I always kind of kept at bay with my parents. We were were very close when it came to like things going on at school or like just relationships that we had at home. Um, But when it came to like, you know, romantic partners or like boyfriends and girlfriends, that was always kind of kept on the down low. And um, honestly, I was, I kind of kept it that way for a while because Tony, like you were saying earlier, that possible rejection that I was um, anticipating really, like, put a damper on things. Um, But it kind of got to a point where, I think, like, a year or two ago, um, I blame my big mouth sister, but they just one day were like, Sam, like, let's talk. Like, we know that, you know, you're with this guy. Because this is when I was in a relationship with my current partner for, like, four or five years, and um, it was really sweet because they kind of took that burden off of me. Instead of me initiating that conversation, they were like, we know you and Kevin are together and he's always going to be welcome in our family, and honestly, like, getting that from my parents was so much more relieving than me having to, like, bring it up and then check to see if they'd be okay with it. Um, For them to initiate that conversation, it really did mean a lot to me, and... For them to come around like that, um, I think is only a testament to like how much our society is helping people better understand um, what it means to have like a gay queer family member.
2: I me, the thing that's really funny this year is we're having Gay Pride right now. And you see like the Twitter trends, like all these companies are turning their icons rainbow and stuff. And people are like, oh, you're just doing this to be cool. You're just doing this to be like grabbing the moment. And it's so funny to me to think that companies are... Being supporters of the gay agenda to be cool and to fit in and to make money, when like not that long ago, like being a supporter of the gay agenda would have been suicide for a company. You had to be very quiet about like it's. It's great to think that oh, it's now it's the cool thing to be a supporter of being gay, but
1: definitely. And I totally get that narrative of like yes, it's just capitalistic tendencies to cling on to the newest trend, but. That sort of representation I think does have an impact, whether it's for the best of intentions or not. Something as simple as opening up my phone or my iPad and seeing that like rainbow changed icon for a certain app, like, I don't know, it makes me feel a little bit better knowing that like people are in support of it.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also a a great representation of their employee base, right? I mean it's 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 at it's at the core of their organization. And I think whether it speaks to 5% of their company, 10% or 15, right? Or even if it speaks to one of their employees, to me, hey, that's all that's that's a great great thing.
1: Speaking of corporations, we gotta tie this into you know our own workplace at UiPath, and so I kind of wanted to take this uh, last few moments in this episode to talk about any sort of fun stories from work in relation to uh, interactions with peers or just anybody that's related to our experience as LGBTQ plus members.
2: Well, it's funny when I joined UiPath coming from Canada, I thought of myself as very progressive and very knowledgeable and understanding about like progressive culture, corporate culture, but I had a lot to learn. And um, I, and since I've started UiPath, I've worked with people that are um, both trans men and trans women, and with way more people in the LGBT community than I ever had. I worked at a company that only had 30 people. So now I work with thousands and it makes a big difference. And at one point I hired someone and they asked me, like, do we have an LGBT Slack channel at UiPath? And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> I didn't even consider that such a thing would happen. It, even though at the time I was totally the guy who would make specialty Slack channels at the time. I made like a gaming channel. I made like a, a f- fun channel to talk about various topics. and like, well, let's do it. And I made an LGBT channel at UiPath. We call it Rainbow Unicorns. And. Like 10 people joined it wasn't like a big deal like there was hardly but at the time I, I didn't know there were 10 10 lgbt people at uipath so it was nice to have that step and now that channel is much bigger it's great to see that this company has grown and more people can join this community and see these names and see these people and like um, there's someone in there doing fundraisers in june that's a very serious effort and like, i don't know if that would have happened without that incidental channel being created I don't know if this podcast would have. It's 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 just funny to think that some of these connections between people that didn't know each other existed because they're invisible minorities. Um, it's nice to have that space to have that connection.
0: You know, I mean, what I'd say is that UiPath really is my first work experience where I have been completely out. Um, it's been refreshing. I think it speaks a lot to our culture. You know, it was very... Um, is very welcoming, very open, very, you know, empowering. And so, um, you know, I feel, you know, very, very blessed uh, to be here um, and to be able to bring my true self to work each and every day. You know, on that, um, you know, it's been awesome uh, to be a part of the Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging Committee. I think we've made a lot of progress there and, you know, hosted things like TED Talks and listening circles and, um, you know, bringing a lot to the company and look forward to really continuing to drive that forward. I think there's, you know, so much more that we can do. Um, And I just, I I really just look forward um, to continuing to do a lot of great, great work there
1: yeah and i just have to say tony especially like even just inhabiting like the vp role right i think there's a big wave of more lgbtq plus representation when it comes to executive positions in big companies um it was only very recently that tim cook became the first openly gay ceo of a fortune 500 company so i think this is awesome momentum and having you on this call in the committee as a sponsor Um, is a testament to representation itself. So we definitely appreciate you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Sam. And I totally appreciate you. So thank you for that.
1: All right, well, I wanna thank you both so much for joining me on this call. Uh, It was a wonderful conversation. I learned a lot about both of you that I didn't know already. Um, And I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. So thanks.
0: Thank you so much to the both of you.
1: Thanks, Sam. Thanks. Thanks, Tony.
0: Thanks for listening everyone. We are continuing to record and publish podcasts so stay tuned for upcoming episodes. In the meantime we also have a blog called Inside the Rocketship where we feature different employees and take a deeper look into our technology. Stay safe and we will see you next time on Inside the Rocketship.